You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, good morning, church. How's everyone doing? Hope you got to say hello to somebody this morning. If not, hello to you. Uh, it's great to be here, and I'm really excited about what God is doing. Um, I, I, just a little plug for the small groups. If you're not connected to a small group, uh, it's really important to become part of a small group because there's really good things that are happening. You know, I've been uh, connecting with the young adult group on Sunday nights, and, you know, I know I'm, I don't fit the age, kind of over the limit, but I've, I've been there kind of guiding them through just the transition time now with uh, leadership, Andrew and his wife, Brooke. Ha- the officers are taking over leadership, and, and Tyler, who didn't introduce himself, who emceed this morning, He's assisting them, and so we just got a great, great people involved in leadership over the young adult group, and, and so, and those of you that are attending young adult groups, what, what's your take on it? Is it okay? All right, good, yeah. So, but we have a small group that can, can meet, I believe, your needs and where you can connect and plug in, so, uh, yeah. Uh, this, this month, we're actually doing Live It, a Live It series, which is really addressing how we live this life in Christ. And I think there's so many times challenges that we face and, and sometimes we, we don't always live up to the standard that we know we're supposed to because we have these issues, we have weaknesses that we haven't quite mastered, but we know that God is empowering the church, I believe, in this hour so that we can live this life in a way that will truly honor and glorify Him. I believe that we need to live life with intention and purpose uh, because your life really matters, and how you live your life really matters. I, I believe that we're living in a, in a day where hypocrisy plagues the church um, because of a failure really to live life according to God's intention for us. Uh, in this day of phoniness and insincerity and inauthenticity, many are disillusioned, and they really don't know where to turn because I believe they're really looking for what's real and for what's genuine. And we need to really be genuine in our walk with God so we can engage this culture to truly make a significant impact. I believe that to impact the world, we have to be real to engage others. We can't live in a a fake facade type of setting. Our focus this month is, is we're looking at different elements of how we live this life in our relationship to God and family. And today we're gonna look at the workplace, nine to five. Uh, and then next week, we're going to look at how we live this out in our community. I believe these are all important areas where we really, truly need to be a witness for Jesus. Uh, if you're going to walk to walk, oh, I got that wrong. If you're going to talk the talk, you have to be determined to walk the walk. Okay? That's right. That's the way it's supposed to come out. Matthew 5:48. this has been kind of our theme passage for this month out of the Message Bible. It reads this way. It says, in a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Has anybody ever told you that? Grow up, yeah. Uh, your kingdom subjects now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously towards others the way God lives towards you. And I, so much is reciprocated in what God does for us It impacts our life in a way that we live out what he does for us in a way that's expressive, a way that engages others that are around us. 
And uh, this morning, uh, we want to take a moment and pray as, as we prepare to receive this word. Father, we thank you uh, for the Holy Spirit who gives us inspiration, who causes your word to come alive. We ask that you give us understanding of truth, Father, that we can apply to our lives so that we can live it out and so that we can truly be witnesses to impact this culture in this generation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, now, I, I, I have some humor for you this morning, it's, it, and it's really generated from resumes, actual resumes where people maybe said things that kind of are just a little bit off, a little bit different. Uh, this was actually found on the resume, uh, Job experience under that line item, job experience. It read this way, instrumental in ruining entire operation for a Midwest chain operation. Instead of writing running, there was a typo, he put ruining, okay? So I don't know if he got that job or not. Um, <laughs> we're talking about nine to five, living it nine to five. Now, if you're a student, you know, that's really like a full-time job because of, of what you're engaged in. Uh, so whether you're a student, whether you are an employee somewhere, whether you're in business for yourself, we, we're going to all relate to this message this morning. In fact, uh, we employ about 40-plus people full and part-time right here at the ministry through the school, through the child care center, and through the church. So we're kind of employees. So we're kind of, I'm on both ends of this, Okay. And so uh, in the work world today, there's a lot of challenges, and, and hopefully I can share some things that can help bring a different perspective from God's uh, perspective and vantage point as we look at this. So these were some line items that were listed on some resumes of reasons for leaving my last job. Um, one of them is responsibility makes me nervous. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I'd hire that person either. Um, they insisted that all employees get to work by 8.45 every morning. I could not work under those conditions. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe he just wasn't a morning person. Who knows? Uh, this one really, I, I, I'm trying to still figure this one out, was met with a string of broken promises and lies, <laughs> as well as cockroaches. <laughs> Can you imagine these employees reading these things? Like, what? <laughs> okay. This one, this must be a mama's boy here. I was working for my mom until she decided to move. That was the reason I left my last job, okay? Um, the company made me a scapegoat, just like my three previous employers. <laughs> well, <laughs> don't want to hire that guy. <laughs> oh, now, question, how many of you have a job? You work part-time, full-time, okay? Anytime or no time, okay? Okay, so I'm speaking to a crowd that somebody's going to relate to something I shared this morning. Question is, do you love your job? Oh, okay, don't, now if you work for us, don't answer that right now. <laughs> you don't have to change jobs necessarily to love your job. You simply have to change your outlook. You need to change your attitude. You need to change the way you perceive the position you're in right now. Now, a Gallup poll reports that 70% of people 
hate their job. Now, hate is a strong word, isn't it? Hate their job, 70%. And this was like, I think, 150,000 people that were actually polled in, in this particular survey. Now, hopefully that uh, percentage would be different among Christians. Hopefully not all Christians hate their job. Now, you've heard the song. Now, this is kind of in my era, maybe not so much for some of you. Take this job and shove it. Have you ever heard that one? Now, we shouldn't be singing that song, should we? That should not be the song of your heart. But the song of your heart should be, take this job and love it. Because you can love your job. You might say, well, you don't know who I work for. Or you don't know the conditions that I work under. You don't know my coworkers. You don't know what I'm dealing with. Well, you can still love your job because you're serving a higher purpose there. Now, see, loving your job is up to you. It hinges upon your attitude. See, your attitude is actually influenced by dominant sources of information that you allow to feed into your life. See, and so for that reason, we must consider God's word, the Bible as a source of information that can feed into our life that can begin to affect the way we think, that can begin to change our perspective, that can begin to affect our outlook. And so that's what we want to address primarily this morning in this message. And realize, actually, we're going to look at Colossians 3.23. I'm going to read this in a couple different versions so we can see this in, in different translations. And a little later, I'm going to share it in another one as well. But Colossians 3.23 reads in the easy-to-read version, okay, now, the easy-to-read version is an easy-to-read version. Okay, enough said on that. In all your work you are given, do the best you can. Work as though you are working for the Lord, not any earthly master. Master there is also in reference to boss or supervisor or foreman or whoever you're working directly for. So, uh, here we say that we see very clearly the word addresses a perspective that we as believers must embrace. That we're not working for this man or this woman necessarily, but we're working for the Lord. We're doing our job as unto the Lord because he's the one we're truly serving. Now we have, there's an authority structure of people between us and the Lord, but ultimately we're working for, for the Lord. Now the New English translation reads it like this, which I like this. Whatever you are doing, work at it with enthusiasm. As to the Lord and not for people. See, the, the problem is so, so often we try to get on the level where we're just pleasing people. And if we move from a level of where we need to be pleasing God, that's where the frustration, that's where the agitation, that's where the conflict and all the junk begins to come in and you end up hating your job. You, you hate where you are. You despise it. And I'm going to share a little bit later of, of a situation where I w was, where I hated, I literally hated my job. Not as pastor here, but I hated my job in a place, in a factory that I was working at, thinking I'm called to the ministry. I completed Bible school, college, and now I should be in the ministry working, but I'm stuck in this factory, 110 degrees, slaving over this machine, this metal shop, and all this thinking, I hate this job, I can't wait to get out. Well, God dealt with me. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm kinda getting ahead of myself, but that's a little prelude to what's to come. Um, Proverbs 6, whoop, Proverbs 16, 3. Um, another scripture that relates to work. 
says, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. See, what I want to happen today is for all of us to commit our job to the Lord. Because God has some plans that he wants to incorporate in your life. But it requires a commitment to him. And there's certain things we need to, to give to God, to commit to him, so that he can get involved. Because without a commitment, God is kind of standing on, on, on the, uh, you know, the sidelines. He's standing uh, outside the, the circle of where he can really begin to influence and impact your life. But when you commit to him, you're giving him an invitation. Lord, come in to this situation and help me and begin to establish your plan for this moment, for the season of my life. And so committing your work to the Lord, the plan of God and the plan that he wants to reveal to you will be established. Deuteronomy 16, 15, uh, the, the second part of the scripture says, the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will be altogether joyful. See, this is God's objective for you. He wants you to experience joy at what you produce through your hands. And, and, and what you do through your hands is, is symbolic of work. Because we work with our hands. Our hands are important tools that are engaging in professions. You know, I, there's not too many professions that don't require the use of your hands. Okay? And, and so uh, this implies that. Now, if, if you, you don't have hands, you can use your mind. I mean, thank God for that. But uh, so, uh, no, I better stop there. I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Uh, it's my desire and goal that the people of refuge be the most honest, hardworking, diligent, sought-after, desired employees that can be found. And so that was, that's been my vision for years for this church, for the people here, to, for me to hear reports, oh, yeah, they work and they're a great employee. Oh, you know, um, do you have any? In fact, did you know that people actually contact our church and say, hey, you know, we are in need of, we have some openings. Do you have anybody that you'd recommend? People call us all the time. Now, to me, that's an indication that there's a reputation already established from people that are part of this church in the employment force, that they're desirable employees. And, and hopefully we can pour the word of God into you, build you up so that you can be, uh, you know, successful in what you do in your life and so that you can work and serve with a spirit of excellence because I believe God is a spirit of excellence. He, he wants to establish that in our lives. Now, we find when you read the Bible, the word work, works, working, labor are found 644 times in 644 verses. So the word of God has a lot to say about this subject. In fact, in John 5, 17, Jesus is speaking. Uh, he answered uh, the people he was talking to the, in the crowd, and, and he said, my father is working until now, and I'm working. See, even Jesus is working, okay? So he's working in us both to will and do of his good pleasure. He's at work to perfect that which concerns you and me, okay? In fact, Jesus works, God works, and so should you, okay? Um, some people say, well, I, I, I don't want to work. I, I just want to live my life without working. Well, that's going to have some consequences. We might get into that a little bit later if we have time. But, you know, obviously he created you with work in mind because he had a job and assignment for you to accomplish in this earth. Now, he also rested at the seventh day, so we have to be careful uh, about not becoming a workaholic. 
you know, and uh, there's some of us that can be workaholics and, you know, where you have multiple jobs and, and you don't see a wife, you don't see your kids because you're working all the time. And on, on the flip side of that, you have people that don't want to work and, 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 and so then they're suffering because of lack in their lives. But uh, there is a balance. There is a balance that we can come to. Now, God's reason for work is designed to bring fulfillment and joy in your life. Now, you need to understand that because that's a concept that you need to understand from the heart of God. He, he designed work to bring joy and fulfillment in your life so that you can accomplish something and look back because when God created this universe, he stood back and he looked at it and said, it's good. He looked at what he did. and I'm kind of like that too. I mow the lawn and I'm done mowing the lawn. And it looks good. I said, honey, what do you think of the lawn? And she's always good. It looks great, honey. And say, I, words of affirmation are kind of my love language, so that kind of helps me out a little bit. But, you know, when we do something, or I like to do projects. I'll, I'll, if I paint a room or something, I'll just stand there and I'll look at it for a while. Say, this looks really nice before the kids get in there and mark it all up and mess it all up. You know, at least it's, it, it looks good for a while, right? Um, anyway, but that was when they were younger. And, you know, grease marks on the wall and you know I, I found this this kind of a, a rabbit trail rabbit trails when you go off the main course of the message um, <clears throat> they have this stuff you can get it at the dollar store it's 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 this orange cleaner it says orange right on the bottle and it cleans almost anything color marks uh, grease marks and so I have I have probably about eight or ten bottles of that in the house so I'm always spraying all these <laughs> <laughs> Painting all the mugs off the wall, you know. And anyway, I don't know why I shared that, but. <laughs> God wants you to discover significant productivity in your life. Uh, that's one of the reasons for work. He wants you to discover productivity, how you can be productive with your life. Because that meets and brings fulfillment in our life, that, that need uh, that God's established. So your job also connects you to people you can affect with your Christian life and witness. It's a connecting point where you can become an influence in other people's lives. Work is a tool for achieving, producing, and blessing others. In fact, the scripture says we should work so that we have to give, so we can be a blessing and not a burden all the time, okay? In fact, your job is to bring God to the workforce, because according to 2 Corinthians 5.20, we are ambassadors for Christ. An ambassador is a representative for another. And so we represent Jesus as an ambassador. Now, more than 2 million Americans are voluntarily leaving their jobs every month. That's a serious problem. That's 66,666 per month. Now, what's interesting about the number of six did you know six is the number for man? Uh, I just thought that was interesting that it just came out to that number there. Um, <clears throat> the U.S. Department of Labor, uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics, calls this category quits. So this is in a recent uh, um, survey that was done. In a survey of workers across the U.S., nearly 85% said that they could work harder on the job. More than half claim they could double their effectiveness if they wanted to. Wow. Because, and sometimes people set the standard. I can remember uh, working at this job that I hated, and then I decided to love it. 
and my life changed. But break time would come around, and we'd sit down. You know, we'd all just sit in our places and drink our Coke and eat our snacks, and, and everybody's just talking, you know, small talk and different things. And then the buzzer would go off, indicating break time is over, and no one would flinch. No one would move. They just sit there and wait. Just take an extra 30 seconds, extra minute, extra two minutes. And then if they see the foreman come around, people are getting up and going back to the workstations. And you know, when God dealt with me, I, I realized, you know, when break's over, I need to be back to my workstation. And so I, I got persecuted over that because when God dealt with me, buzzer goes off, break time's over. I get up and go, whoa, what are you in a hurry to do? And I says, break's over. Didn't you just hear the buzzer? You know? And you know, after a while, my example began to have an impact on them. They started, I don't know if they felt guilty or what, but, but it worked, you know. So sometimes just that influence. And, and I realized that that group of people was influencing me to rob from my boss. And, and, you know, when break time's over, I'm supposed to be back on the job, you know. I'm not getting paid to sit on break time all day. And so... Um, I was letting them influence me. Now I turned the tables when I realized, you know, God dealt with my heart and I needed to be a diligent employee, okay? Uh, so don't be a time thief. Did you know time theft is a deliberate waste and abuse of company time? It costs the U.S. economy over $120 billion a year. And, and really, if your boss is a time thief, employees will also be a time thief. And again, it sets a precedent in that company. Oh, there's a study by Harris Interactive that indicates a full 74% of people would today consider finding a new job. Uh, the most recent Mercer's What's Working study says 32% are actively looking. Okay, so there's a lot of things happening. Now, uh, in fact, there's reasons why people are unhappy with their job. Reasons for their unhappiness. This is by an incentive report study said they don't like the boss that's 31 percent they just don't like the boss um, I had a boss I didn't like but God dealt with me on that one too and see uh, one thing I found out if if God deals with uh, you on an issue know that he's dealing with other people on the issues too and so we, we don't get away with too much when, when God's involved in our life okay we really don't now uh, another reason for unhappiness is a lack of empowerment. It's 31% where people say, I'm not happy. I, I don't feel empowered. I don't feel like I really have a say and a, a lot of liberty here. 35% um, say that a reason for their unhappiness on the job is internal politics. There's just too many internal politics. And you know, I think that's just one of those things you've got to deal with and make the best of and be a witness and, and shine your light and 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 you know, sometimes you have to muddle through that stuff, but uh, if you take the high road, if you, you know, walk in, in humility before God, you know, you can, you can deal with that. And then number four, uh, uh, another reason for unhappiness on the job is, uh, this is 43% said lack of recognition. Nobody recognizes me. Well, that's an issue. We won't talk about that today, but um, that's something that sometimes need to be, needs to be addressed. Uh, <clears throat> Many cite the desire to become their own boss. If I were the boss, hey, uh, sometimes from my standpoint, I'd rather be working for somebody just taking orders. It, uh, it'd be a whole lot easier. 
sometimes to be in charge, it's, it's not fun. There's responsibilities there and pressures that you carry that those that are just punching the time clock, they don't have to be concerned about at all. And so to want to be the boss isn't always the answer for you. Now, if God's calling you to that, that's fine. But don't want to be the boss because you think you can do it better than anybody else. That's a, that's a pride issue, okay? Now, one researcher estimated that 50 to 80% of working Americans are on the job that does not match their abilities and is therefore unfulfilling. So, you know, this is another statistic. There's, people are unfulfilled in their work. And uh, also, here's another one. Career change statistics suggests that the average person uh, <clears throat> will be making a career change approximately five to seven times during their working life. Okay, now that's a career change. That's not just a job change. That's a career change. So, as a plumber, then as an electrician, then as a farmer, then as a doctor. No, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> now, some career changes require you to go back to school, and you've got to be re-educated and trained, and so uh, it's very costly, a lot of time and all that. But now people have part-time, full-time, multiple jobs. Even as students, most of us had to work or are working, uh, even when we go to school. I mean, I grew up on the farm, the dairy farm, and before we got on the bus, ca caught the bus to go to school. I'd have to get up early, go out in the barn, do chores. And the problem was, you know, uh, I, you know, I didn't like to go to school smelling like a barn, smelling like cows. So I'd have to hit the shower before. But some of my uh, farming buddies, they didn't have time to take a shower. And, and you could tell, you know. But, so, but you know, w working is, is a part of our life. Um, and so, uh, so what are three things, three big things that we can say about living it nine to five? If you're taking notes, you can write these down. Number one, God created us with the intent to work. He created us with the intent to work. It's his intention that you work, okay? Now, uh, in fact, his purpose for you is not just in this life, but he has an eternal purpose and plan. And your eternal purpose is not just to sit on the cloud playing a harp, okay? It's not just sitting around doing nothing. He will have an assignment, an eternal purpose for you to fulfill. Because he understands that through work, there's that sense of us being useful and being able to produce and accomplish something for his purpose and for his kingdom. In Ephesians 2.10, I don't have a slide for this, the scripture says that we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So he has created us in such a way that we are to produce and generate good works in this earth and good works that will impact eternity. And so under this first point, I want to challenge you, be willing to work. Get a job. Has anybody ever told you, get a job? Yeah, some, some of you students going to school, get a job, right? Did you ever hear that one? You know, but sometimes with all the studies, it's hard to get a job and work and balance everything. That's a challenge. I, I can remember I did that. You know, I didn't have, my, my parents weren't very wealthy, so I didn't get a lot of support for them going to college. And, and so I had to earn my own money to pay college tuition and, 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 and work a part-time job. And that was sometimes challenging when it came to getting all my homework done and all that. Uh, and to get good grades, which, you know, that's important too. Um, now, uh, people who have too much time on their hands, 
we're usually wasted on worthless endeavors. And, and so even just to occupy your time, uh, having a job can, can make things a whole lot better rather than fulfilling worthless endeavors. If you're unemployed, you have a job. Your job is to get a job. Unless, of course, you're a full-time student and maybe you're set financially. That's, that's wonderful. But not too many people are set financially. I, I, have a, I have a good friend that he's set financially. He wouldn't have to work another day in his life because he's achieved wealth and success, but yet he has three different jobs that he's involved with right now. And as, he wouldn't have to work those jobs, but he wants to be productive. He wants to make an impact. He wants to make a difference. And so that he's in the position to give and to be generous, to, to help needs when he uh, sees worthy needs that he can invest in, okay? Um, so uh, we, we work, we go, to, we go to school, we go to college so we can be trained to work a job to support ourselves and to support others. Working brings a sense of purpose and fulfillment to our life. It really does. Uh, even in paradise, man had a job. Adam was given the assignment to name the bugs, to give names to all the animals. He was assigned to tending the garden. See, Adam was a gardener, so he had a job in perfect paradise. Work began in the Garden of Eden. Adam was to dress the garden and keep it. We see that in Genesis 2.15. See, work was an activity that was blessed of the Lord to provide Adam with a sense of achievement and self-worth, okay? And so then Adam sinned, and, and his disobedience actually turned work into a curse. And so then God said, by the sweat of your brow, you're going to have to labor and toil. And that this whole thing of work became a curse. But you need to understand that through Jesus Christ and his redemptive pur purpose, when we obey his word, when we turn our hearts over to him, then he takes that curse and turns it back into a blessing. Because what God originally intended for work was to be a blessing in our life. And that's what he wants it to become to you in his redemptive work in our lives. So that work doesn't have to be a curse, but that it can in fact be a blessing. So recognition and obedience to the principles of God's truth will reinstate the blessing of work in our lives. In 2 Thessalonians 3.10, I think I mentioned this a little bit earlier, it says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this command. This is the Apostle Paul writing. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Okay? So, again, we see this as a willingness, not necessarily, okay, you didn't work, you're not eating today. You know, so you don't want to starve people. Okay? This is not what this is talking about. But it's talking about everyone using the capacity, the ability they have to make their contribution so that they can be involved, you know, to uh, serve and to be a blessing. Now, um, refusal to work is actually a sure way to poverty. Proverbs 10.4 says, a slack hand causes poverty, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. So God, through diligence, can bring blessing into your life. In Proverbs 14.23, it says, all hard work brings a profit, but mere talk leads only to poverty. So uh, hard work, it's, it's going to bring a profit. It's going to generate something that will provide and meet needs in your life. Proverbs, actually, actually not Proverbs, but Psalms 128 verse 2 says, you will eat the fruit of your labor. In other words, you can enjoy the fruit of your labor. 
blessings and prosperity will be yours. See, a job is one way to bring God's prosperity into your life. Now, we need to develop a healthy work ethic. And I think some of that's being lost in our culture today. You know, I talk to employers, and they say it's, it's hard. It's, uh, people don't have a desire to really work. And, you know, it's hard to keep people. And it's hard to really, they want, some of these employers are wanting to invest in these people to really help them for their future. But they won't work. And they, they don't take initiative many times. And, and I, I believe that we need to see a cultural shift there. By, and I, part of it is, you know, when children are given responsibility and duties around the home, that helps at an early age to establish a work ethic in them. So parents, I encourage you to do that. Give them responsibilities that, and tasks that, that they're responsible to take care of in their home, like cleaning their room. And if, you, and if some of you have succeeded at that as parents, let me know, because that's, that's a hard one for us. You know, um, and many times, yeah, I, I won't go there, but <laughs> Michaela, you know, I think we've succeeded with her. I mean, Mackenzie, yeah. Michaela's the, yeah. Now, what's amazing about Michaela, Michaela's not here. She's in Oklahoma, going to Bible college. It was hard for her to keep her room clean. But now she's at college, and she keeps it clean. And so, wow. So sometimes they have to leave the house before what you try to teach and plant in them really takes root. And so, um, yeah. So, and and we, I know that because she'll show me through FaceTime. This is my room, Dad. What? You know. You can see the floor. Look at that. You know. Okay. Yeah. I won't talk about Mackenzie. She, you know, she doesn't like it. She's 15. You know, she doesn't like it when I talk about her, but she knows I love her, so I can get away with talking about her sometimes, right? But she does a good job at keep. She, she really is a good cleaner. Good at clean. I mean, if anybody needs your house clean, you know, she's she's a good one. She will make those toilets sparkle, okay? Okay, enough said on that, okay. So, <laughs> Proverbs 19.15 says, Slothfulness cast a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. So, slothfulness is really the same as laziness. If you're lazy, you just don't, you have no initiative. Number two, the second thing that we can say about living at nine to five is, Know who you, you are really working for. Know who you are really working for. Who's the boss? From the Message Bible, we're going to read out of Colossians, the scripture that we read out of two other versions, but the Message Bible in Colossians, actually chapter 3, verses 22 through 25, reads this way. It says, Servants, do what you're told by your earthly masters, and don't just do the minimum that will get you by. See, Jesus even said, go the extra mile. Somebody asked you to go one mile, go two with them, okay? Work, okay, do your best. Work from the, the heart for your real master, for God. Confident that you'll get paid in full when you come into your inheritance. Keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. The sullen servant who does shoddy work will be held responsible being a follower of Jesus doesn't cover up bad work. Ooh, now that, that, you know, should bring conviction. It really should. But we need to keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. We need to keep that in mind. 
there was a day I changed bosses. I told you earlier, I was going to tell you the story of how I hated my job. Now, because, you know, I graduated from Bible college and I'm ready to take on the world, ready to be in the ministry. And I'm sitting there and I was working, uh, they call it a cold saw. It's a saw that cuts through steel. It's got a liquid cooled uh, diamond tip blade and, and I could cut through one inch plate steel just with hydraulics and all that and I'm working this job. But in Oklahoma in the summertime in an unconditioned factory and it's a metal building, know that it gets hot there, really hot to the point when you walk in, you haven't even lifted a finger and the sweat is already dripping down your forehead. And working under some of those conditions, it was not pleasant. And, and working there with some of the other individuals was not pleasant. But yet I knew this was a job. It was supporting me. It, was getting, it got me through Bible school. And, and, and now I'm there ready to take on the world, ready to enter the ministry. And I really had this attitude. And it was a negative attitude towards the boss, towards coworkers, towards my job. And I would even tell them, Lord, I hate this job. Why am I here, Lord? I'm supposed to be in the ministry, Lord. You called me to the ministry. And one day as I'm working, I felt like the Spirit of God arrested me. And he spoke to my heart and said, this is your ministry right here. And I said, no! <laughs> no, God! <laughs> now, I didn't say that out loud. I said it inside, in my mind, you know. <laughs> no, God! <laughs> and, but then I realized what God was trying to say to me. Until I saw this as my ministry, what he spoke to me, you'll never be in the ministry of how you perceive it until you see this as your ministry right now. And that's when I made a shift. And I said, okay, God, I'm going to see this like if this was my ministry. My job is my ministry. And see, that's really what it is. God wants you to see your job as your ministry unto him. So how would you serve him? Well, that you, you know, your attitude, your demeanor, everything changed. Everything changed that day. I changed bosses. I started working for the Lord. Even though I didn't change jobs, I changed bosses. I realized and recognized who I was really working for. That what I was, I was doing, I was doing as unto the Lord. Not so much for my boss or the other people around me, but I'm doing this for you, Lord. I'm serving you here faithfully. And you know, it wasn't but a few months that the Lord opened up the door for me to come back to Stevens Point and be, plant this church. God opened that door, but I don't believe that would have ever happened if I wouldn't have recognized that my job was to be my ministry and to see it as such. Now, this is a good verse that correlates with this one. Um, actually, okay, this, I'm getting ahead of myself. Number three, you want number three? Learn to love your current job. I mean, learn to love it. It's a key to promotion, but more important, it's a witness to others. You loving your job. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I'm doing. You don't know what I'm doing. I mean, you know, it's, this is not something anybody really loves. Well, Philippians 2, verse 14 and 15 gives us some insight. It says, do all things without grumbling or disputing. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Verse 15. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. You know what really sets you apart? 
from everybody else. The fact that you don't grumble or you don't dispute, you don't complain. But that you are there with a positive attitude, a positive outlook. You're encouraging others. You're building others up rather than getting into the crowd and saying, Ah, oh, did you see what the boss did now? Oh, you see what the owner did? Oh, all this gossiping, this bickering, this conflict. You can detach yourself from that. And you can be a light shining bright right where you are. Amen. See, no one wants to be stuck in a dead-end job that has no future. But don't see your job as a dead-end job. Let God give you his perspective on it so you can see it the way he sees it and the way he wants you to see it. See, we are to project Jesus with genuine love and enthusiasm. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 5 through 7, this actually addresses how we deal with our bosses. It says, bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers. You know what eye service is? It's, uh, and I was guilty of this. I'd be working the job, you know. Some of it was mechanical, you know, just going through the motions. Boss comes around the corner. <laughs> I'm busy. I'm working hard. I'm, I'm really doing a good job here. Boss goes around the corner. <laughs> Slow motion, you know, kicks in. Eye service. God's watching all the time. God saw what I was doing, even though my boss didn't see it, but my heavenly boss did. So it's not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. See, see, that's the whole focus. That's the whole shift. We've got to do this unto him. That's why we're here. What we do, we do for his glory, for his purpose, to serve and honor him. We're not doing it for the boss. We're not doing it for this person next to us. We're doing it for God. And in the process, we're ministering and blessing the boss and those people around us. See, what are you taking away from this today? I, I really trust that, that you catch something from the Lord. And, and, and what, one of the things as I was praying about this service today, we're talking about the work. It's a, it's a big part of your life. When you think the average person works 40 hours a week, that's a big portion of how, where you live life and where you're going to really make an impact on the workforce. And so it's, it's an important part to God and it's an important part of his kingdom and what you do on the job. I think of Dolores, you know, she had a bridal shop and for the years she had, a, had a also a was a beautician and, and, and she had employees over the years and, and, and sometimes she would come and she'd say, Pastor, we need to pray for this one. We need to pray for that one. But she actually, as a boss, would minister to her employees. And their lives would be changed and transformed. So even if you're in a place where you own a business or a boss, God can use you in a powerful way. I want to give you an opportunity at this time because as we, as we look, as we bring the service to a close, it's important for us to realize that there has to be a God connection somewhere. For us to really get connected with the one who can really make a difference in our life. And that one is Jesus Christ. You know, it's, it's interesting when we look at Jesus because, because, you know, he's not just a religious historic figure. He's a real person 
who's alive, who's, who's well, who wants to reveal himself to us. He wants to engage in our life. He wants to show himself strong on our behalf. And, and he's here today. You know, it's interesting, in Philippians chapter 2, it, it tells us how Jesus emptied himself and he took the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of a man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross. He died on that cross to take our place, to pay the penalty for our sins. The redemption story is really a story about Jesus, who was God. He became man and gave himself for us to take our sins and, and destroy the barrier that separated us from God. And the scripture and Philippians 2 tells us that God highly exalted Jesus and bestowed on him a name that's above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. There's a point in our lives, in our existence, where we need to recognize and acknowledge who Jesus is. Is he truly Lord of the universe? And, and can we confess his lordship in our life? Can we receive him? Can we personalize who he is and accept what he did for us? Because then and only then can you truly be transformed by his power, by his might. And he wants to change you. He loves you too much to leave you in the condition where you're in. And, and I know that And what the Spirit of God laid upon my heart this morning as I was getting ready to come to church this morning, he spoke this word about addiction. Do you battle addiction? You know, there are people that are even saved that have a relationship with God, but they're not free. Addiction is one of those things that can be compelling and controlling in a person's life, but it's also destructive. And addiction can be broken by the power of Jesus Christ because he who the Son sets free is, is free indeed. Jesus came to set us free from addiction. Because you see, he has a purpose for your life. Defining your purpose will help you, help you to determine the activities you should be involved in. Your purpose in life is chosen by God. It's really not negotiable, but you need to discover it. And sometimes our addictions are keeping us from discovering our purpose. Because our addictions are robbing us of, of, of the life that God wants to bring us into and the experience he wants to bring us into. And so we're going to pray this morning, and I want you at this time just to bow your heads and, and go ahead and close your eyes too because this is the moment where I believe God wants to meet with you as an individual. Even though you're in a crowd of people, God wants to meet with you and make himself personal to you right where you're at. As we're waiting in God's presence, Begin to reach out to him and say, Lord, help me to live this life. Help me even to understand your purpose for my life. Help me to understand your intent for my life, even in my career, even in, in the work that you're calling me to. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, if you're here and you say, Pastor, I, I don't know that my life is really right with God. If I were to die today, I really have no assurance 
whether or not I'd go to heaven or hell. Or maybe you're at a place where you don't really believe there's a heaven or a hell, but let me tell you, there is. I, I wouldn't take a chance. I wouldn't take a risk on it. I mean, the Bible is very clear about that place that we don't want to go to. But yet, God made a way so that we wouldn't have to go there by sending his son Jesus to provide a sacrifice for our sins. Sin is the only thing that keeps us out of heaven. And we were all born in sin. We have this sinful nature. We've all sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. But God in his love sent Jesus to die in our place, to be our substitute, so that he took our sin in order to give us his righteousness, this gift of eternal life, this gift of salvation, so that you could live free from the bondage of sin and from the sin that has been so destructive in your life. If you're here today and say, I, I know I need God's forgiveness. I need that gift of eternal life. And I'm willing to receive it. If that's you, just slip up your hand. Say, Pastor, would you pray for me so that I could receive eternal life, so that I could be forgiven for my sins? Just lift up the hand. I see, okay, I see those hands. Thank you for lifting those hands. Thank you for being so honest this morning. I'm going to lead the whole congregation in a prayer. And for those of you that lifted your hands, you can pray this prayer with us. And if you're sincere in this prayer, God's going to do something in your heart and life today. It's not going to be next week. It's not going to be next month. It's going to be today, right now, in this moment of time. Pray after me, if you would. Heavenly Father, I come before you, and I open up my heart to you. Jesus, I call on your name. I know you came to die for my sins, and you were raised from the dead to give me new life. Lord Jesus, I'm sorry. Forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart. And I ask you to be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. I accept you now. Amen. Have you prayed that prayer? God is doing something right now in your heart. The Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away. You pass from death to life. You receive the gift of eternal life, the very nature of God himself. Floods your spirit and washes away the sin. Brings his life inside of you. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.